This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Now, we are continuing, actually finishing our This Is How We Do It series this morning. And so if you have missed any of the talks in this series, I would highly suggest that you go to our website, centralchurch.cc slash podcast, and listen to our podcast because this series has, is just like foundational for our church. This is a series that covers our vision and our mission and who we are, how we do what we do, why we do what we do, and what the plan is moving forward, what the plan is to take people who are far from God and make them fully devoted followers of Christ and sort of the process that we use to get to that point. And so if you missed any of the weeks, I'm going to give you a quick recap now, but I would really encourage you to go back and to listen to the podcasts and make sure you get caught up on this stuff because it's foundational for who we are and where we're going as a church. And so we started in week one with the first kind of pillar of our vision, and it was know God. Gracie Girl wants to know God. She is like worshiping right now. I love it. To know God. And we talked about this because we said, listen, in Scripture, when it talks about knowing God, it uses this Greek word called, that's pronounced gnosko. And gnosko is also used in like intimate relationships, like marriage relationships. And anytime Scripture's telling us to know God, it uses this word saying, listen, we, want, we are to know God in a heart knowledge, not just a head knowledge. We don't need to just know who God is or know things about God from an academic approach, but we need to know God from a relational, intimate personal approach. And so we said the way that we do that here at Central, the way that we encourage you and coach you and, and, and push you to know God is through our Sunday morning experiences. The whole purpose of our Sunday morning gathering is for you to know God, for you to get a snapshot of who God is and to grow in your understanding and to grow in your relationship with God. And so that's, that was sort of week one. And uh, those of you who are here this morning, you get it. You're here. Those of you listening online, it's simple. You just show up, right? Not a lot, not a lot to it to, 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 to join us in getting to know God. The second week, we hit kind of our second pillar of our vision, and that's to find freedom. Know God and find freedom. We said that the, the idea behind this is that as you get to know God, as you see God more clear, and as you get to know God more, it's impossible for you to stay the same. It's impossible for you to stay the same as before you met God. When you meet God, it changes us. It changes you. And so when that happens, things begin to fall away that deter you from getting to know God, right? And so things begin to fall away. You begin to add things to your life. And so you begin this process of finding freedom, the freedom that is in Christ. And so the way that we said on on, on week two of this, we said the best way, the best sort of context for life change to take place is in the context of relationships. That doing life together is the best way for you to experience life change. Because you're able to have accountability, you're able to have conversation, and so we said the way that we do that here at Central is through community groups. Community groups are vitally important to the mission and vision of this church. And so we said that, you know, community groups are a lot different. On Sunday mornings, for you to get to know God and get understanding and information and all of this, you guys are all sitting in rows with one person talking. But in community groups, that's not the case. You're sitting more in circles, and it's conversation. You're bouncing ideas off of each other. You're sharing successes. You're sharing uh, failures, and you're coaching each other through it, and you're working together. And so life change happens best within the context of relationship. And so at this point, 
We have roughly 50 to 60% of our people here at Central involved in community groups, which is awesome. Those are great numbers. More than half of us are involved in a community group. But our goal is to have over 100%. And so that means a bunch of us are still not there. And so, again, go back and listen to the podcast, but you got to get this, man. If you are not part of a community group, you're only experiencing a little bit of what Central is. If you're only coming on Sunday mornings and receiving, and you're not like pouring in and bringing what you got, I'm going to talk about this more in a minute, then you're only experiencing just a sliver of what God wants to do in, through, and around you here at Central. And so in week three, last week, uh, Pastor Rich shared about discovering our purpose. And so it's uh, this idea that as we get to know God, it changes us. We begin to find freedom. It begins to change who we are and, and how we respond and how we act and how we think and, and just the inner fibers of our being begin to shift and change. And as that happens, our purpose begins to sort of rise to the top. We begin to discover our purpose. And so the third leg of the vision is to discover purpose. And Rich talked last week about how we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think the terminology he used at one point is, is your magic right? What you got inside of you, the spark that you have, what you bring to the table. And he said basically that it's bigger than you. It's realizing that you are connected to something bigger than yourself. And so hopefully you're discovering your purpose and what God wants to do in you, who God wants you to be, where God wants to take you through your involvement in our Sunday morning worship gatherings and our community groups, right? And so this is sort of a process that leads us to this week, which is the fourth leg of our vision, which is to make a difference, to put some feet on it, to do something about it, to get in the game, to get active, put feet on your faith, put feet on your purpose. And so the way that we do that here at Central is through serve teams. And so when you came in, you each should have had a card on your seat for serve teams. And I'm going to talk all about that this morning and talk about the vision and the mission behind that and why we do what we do. And our hope, our goal, again, is to have 100% participation in serve teams. If you're, as you're going to hear in a minute as I talk through this, if you come to Central and you're not on a serve team, again, you're only experiencing a sliver of what Central is. You're only being impacted minorly in comparison to what you could be experiencing in this faith community if you're not involved in a serve team. I was talking to someone after service, after first service this morning, uh, talking about AA meetings and things, and, and, and they said, you know, they say at AA meetings, he said, you know, it's his, his multiple times through this thing, and he said his perspective has shifted this time because now he's not just going to meetings, going home, going to meetings, going home, going to meetings, going home. Now he's going to meetings, and he's, like, talking and interacting and contributing to the meetings. And he said, you know, it's crazy, but it's completely different this time. Things have completely shifted in me because now it's not just me receiving all the time. He said, he said this, and I was like, dude, that's so good. I'm going to say it next service. He said, if I'm going and just taking all the time, all I'm doing is robbing them. That's so good. If you're just going and receiving all the time and not giving anything back, you're just robbing the organization, right? That's what he was saying about AA, and I was like, man, that is, that is gold. So we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning, but here's the deal. I want to share a little bit about my perspective and my story with you to sort of, sort of set the stage. Now, many of you know that I share frequently about the type of church and faith tradition that I was raised in, right? I was raised in a hyper-charismatic Pentecostal church, and I frequently share with you in a comedic sense how that has left me with a lot of PTSD, right? And we laugh and we joke about it a lot and all of these things. And very seldomly do I shed a positive light 
on my, my upbringing of, of in, in, within this, this line of faith tradition churches and all that stuff. But this morning I want to do that because there was a lot of really good there too. And I know I like to joke and I like to, you know, poke fun and all that stuff. But, but there was a lot of really, really, really good stuff that happened within that framework and with that, in that line of my faith tradition. It's crazy. I, I feel like oftentimes some of these, these old school, smaller churches, you know, I feel like oftentimes they really, really succeed in a communal approach. They don't necessarily call it that or paint it that way, but I think they do oftentimes a really, really, really good job at that. And all these like modern, hip, bigger churches really try to like capture that in a bottle and recreate it, and they have a hard time. I think sometimes these old school, little, tiny Pentecostal churches really, really get it at times. Because thinking back to my experience, I mean, in, in my faith tradition, tithe and offering was like an automatic for these people. Giving of their tithes and offering, it wasn't like, oh, well, uh, yeah, let me, uh, let me do the math on that. Let me, uh, hang on, let me check my app and see if... No, tithes and offering was like an audit. It was just like, like Rich talked about, it's a spiritual discipline. It's what you do. It's, he said, like, I think Rich shared last week, it's not icing on the cake, it's part of the cake, right? And so it was just natural, and, and they did a great job at that. That's why you see some of these tiny churches with like the nicest, newest roofs you've ever seen and the best landscaping in the whole community, right? Because the people are faithful. They, they invest and they give, and it's just like unnatural to them. And, and, and they, these, these, these smaller churches, oftentimes, the churches that I came up in, they take prayer seriously. Like, seriously. You know, I remember growing up, and there was a prayer meeting. I want to say there was a prayer meeting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's at least how it felt to me. We were always going to a prayer meeting. And if we weren't going to a prayer meeting, we were missing a prayer meeting. Right? They had prayer like every morning of the week, every night of the week. They had prayer before service and after service, before choir practice, between choir practice and church, after choir. I'm like, do y'all need to pray that much? But they were, they were serious about prayer. I mean, it was, it was for real. You know, they were serious about the word of God. They were serious about scripture. Yes, a lot of it was misinformed, misinterpreted, and not a lot of educational um, background to it, but they were serious about it, and they meant business, and they, it was important, and it was powerful, and those things were important to them. They were serious about worship, you know? We, we threw down with the best of them. There was some Petey Pablo stuff going on, you know, take a shirt off, twist around your head, spin like a helicopter. Like, that's, that, that stuff was happening, okay? It got a little, got a little, little crazy and whatever. But they were serious about it, and they were passionate about it, and they were singing from their heart, and they were experiencing God in that, you know? And they were serious about serving. They were serious about serving in their faith community. They were serious about volunteering. They were serious about pouring in to their church and into their house and into their faith community. And so coming up, yeah, it was a little wild. It was a little crazy. There was some toxicity there and some manipulation and some, some negativity, yes, but there was also a lot of really, really good stuff happening in my faith tradition, like thinking back on it, I remember being in upper elementary school. So I'm in like third, fourth, and fifth grade. And at that point, and these, I wasn't involved in these things because I was super Christian. This is just what everybody in my age group was doing. Like they were empowering all the kids to do this. So in third, fourth, and fifth grade, I remember I was running the sound system for the kids' church. I mean, and, but now listen, when I say running the sound system for the kids' church, don't like overhype this. What that meant back then was that I would take the tape out of tape deck A and then take the take, tape out of tape deck B and flip it around, 
put it in A, and right? And then later, do you guys know what a tape deck is? It was like the dual tape player, you know? We were super high tech. And then as I, as I got older, like fourth, fifth grade, and it progressed, we got a CD player, hello. So I like would pull it out so carefully out of the case because I didn't want to scratch it, and I'd place it in there, and then I'd skip to the song, right? And it would make that noise. You know what I mean? Because as the laser's moving on it, I'm like, this is so high tech. And I'm like skipping, and then I get to the beginning of song seven. I wait for like the, there's like a two-second pause, so I wait for one second and then hit pause so it's not awkward when the person says to go. So I was like running the sound system, and then I'd hit play when they would give me, the, they'd be like, Sam, go ahead. And I'm like, play, boom, that's what's up right? Running the sound system. I'm in like third, fourth, and fifth grade. I remember also I was, there were two other things I was doing at that phase in my ministry, right? Um, I was running the overhead projector back then. And when I say overhead projector, I don't mean the projector that's overhead. I mean the overhead projector, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where you like change the overhead slide, the transparencies and whatever, right? And I'm in like third, fourth, and fifth grade. I, I did that one a lot, and I don't know if it's only because I was the only one that wouldn't get up there and do like a Holy Spirit dove up on the wall, like while they're trying to sing, or like be like, hey, look, there's a bunny rabbit on the screen. Maybe that's why they gave me that job, but I did that job. And then the other one, the other way that I was doing it in kids' church is, is uh, many of you guys might have done this one too. Puppet ministry, huh? There's, for some reason, they always did a high hole and a low hole, and I was the only volunteer, so like I'm talking to each other. I'm like, Miss Susie, my arm hurts. She's like, it's for the Lord. Keep going. I'm like, oh, God. Right? Puppet ministry, things like that. And then I remember getting into like middle school, right? I'm in like sixth, seventh, uh, eighth grade. And I remember that I was leading a Sunday school class of four and five-year-olds. And when I say this, I don't mean I was leading like there was an adult there too. I was leading a Sunday school of four and five-year-olds in middle school. And I just loved it. How many of y'all can just attest to some good old-fashioned veggie tales? Huh? I mean, veg I can't tell you how many goldfish and animal crackers I ate in that time of my life, but it was ungodly. I believe that. Okay? We would do snack. We'd do coloring sheets. Again, I had a little portable CD player in my room. Thought I was awesome. Hit on the sword to Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Hey, oh, oh, let my people go. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? No? Okay, those are the real Christians. See them raising their hands? They're the ones that got a real mansion in heaven. Um, no, but, but I remember serving in that way. And then I remember getting to high school, and I, I distinctly remember the first time I played drums in big church. Whoa, big church. Like, I'm playing in big church. I've arrived, you know what I mean? And I remember that they used to wear choir robes and the band had to wear choir robes too. So I'm like wearing my choir robe with my drumsticks. Someone sent me a picture. Oh God, someone sent me a picture of this not too long ago. I, I, had, I think part of my PTSD, I, I had removed this from my brain catalog. Did not know this existed. And someone sent me a picture of this recently of me standing there in my choir robe with drumsticks like, what's up? That's right, I'm playing for the Lord, right? It's like, what am I doing? Um, but I remember serving in this way, leadership teams in youth group, leading small groups in youth group. I remember this, growing up in this little church, this, 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 this hyper-charismatic Pentecostal church, growing up like this, unknowingly, the whole time, I was being taught that I'm part of something bigger than just myself. The whole time I was being taught that I don't come to church just to consume, I don't come to church just to take, 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 take. This is not all about me. And I was being taught this from like third, fourth, and fifth grade, 
When I'm showing up hitting the CD player, I think I'm just being high-tech on a spaceship having fun, but really what it's intrinsically teaching me is that I'm part of something bigger than just myself. I was being taught and shown that, that it, yes, my faith is about me, and it's important for me to be there, but also, simultaneously, it's about serving others, too. Yeah, Sam, it's cool that you're edified by playing drums in big church, but do you realize that you playing drums in big church is inhabiting an atmosphere for everyone to connect with God? Not just about you, it's about everybody. And so in my specific sort of faith upbringing, I was able to learn this from a very, very, very young age, and it was continually reinforced in me all through growing up. And you know what? I believe that some of you had a very similar faith experience. I feel like some of you were raised in a church like this where you were serving at a very young age and you were plugged in and you were doing things and you might not have realized it until just this moment, but they were teaching you that you were part of something bigger than just yourself. And now as those people who had this sort of similar faith tradition have now become adults, those are the people that are typically incredibly faithful in their tithes and offering in the here and now. Typically speaking, those are the people that are incredibly faithful in their serving, and when we need a serve team push, these are the people that sign up. When we say, hey, we need help with this, these are the people that come and help. These are typically the people that are faithful in their giving, faithful in their serving, they're faithful in, um, in their leading. When we need someone to head something up, they step in and say, hey, I'd love to do that, I can, I can handle that. These are typically the people that are just faithful. And I feel like some of us have had a different church experience where we were raised, where we just kind of went to churches and it was kind of this consumer thing and we hopped around, weren't really planted anywhere. And uh, unknowingly, our parents were just showing us that, you know, we go to church and if we see something we don't like, then we stop going to that church and we go to another one. And then till we, and if we like it, we go until we don't like something and then we switch and we go to that one until we don't like something, then we switch. And, and it just taught us to be a consumer Christian where we're just taking it all in until we get something that pisses us off and then we leave, Right? And I feel like some of us, and that's, that's kind of obvious too, because now, as we're adults and going to our own church, it's really hard for us to plug in. It's really hard for us to commit to anything. It's really hard for us to give in our tithes and offering. It's really hard for us to commit to a serve team and to volunteering and to leading anything and to be faithful and consistent attendance. And all of these things are very, very difficult for us because we weren't sort of modeled that as, as, as kids and as, as young adults growing up. And then there's a third party who are new to the church, who don't have all the baggage that all of us church folks have, right? But they come from a consumeristic society where the entire world is bombarding us at all times that we are the center of the universe, right? That we are the most important thing ever and everything revolves around us and it's all about what we want and what we need and everyone else can just get in line behind me because this is my world and you just live in it, right? And I don't want to like delegitimize this because this is a legitimate phase or season in our faith journey, right? And some of us may be there. Some of us may be in that phase of our faith journey where we do need to just come and consume because we are empty and we are thirsty and we just, we need it. And that's okay. I don't, I don't want to crap on that, okay? Because that's a legitimate season and phase in our faith journey. But growth is expected. Growth needs to be anticipated. That doesn't need to be where we dwell forever, that we just receive, 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 receive and leave, receive and leave, receive and leave, receive and leave, receive and leave. That doesn't need to be our permanent posture, right? That can be a season, and that's part of your growth, but growth needs to happen, and we need to move beyond that. And so what I want to do this morning 
is I want to look at the book of 1 Corinthians because I think Paul instructs the 1 Corinthians well on, on this, this subject and this idea. So for those of you who don't know, Paul is a first century church planter. He's this guy that went around in the first century and started churches. And he'd start a church, and he'd hang out there for a year or two, and they'd go and start another church, hang out there for a year or two, go over to this town, start another church, hang out there for a year or two, go over to this town. And so as he's doing this, those churches would have questions, and they'd write him and be like, yo, Paul, like, what's going on? Or he would hear through the grapevine, hey, man, they're really struggling in this area or that. And so Paul would sit down, and he'd pen a letter. Hey, guys, so here's what's going on. I'm praying for you guys constantly. I hope the grace of the Lord is with you. Now let's talk about some things. That, that sounds like you guys are struggling with. And he'd write him a letter. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. This is what it looks like, blah, 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 blah. That's what 1 Corinthians is. It's a letter to the church in Corinth. The people living in Corinth are known as Corinthians. All right, we're trekking through this together. That's good. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. And he's talking about how we have spiritual gifts. We all have these different spiritual gifts. There's the spirit of God, and it's available to each of us. And so in, in chapter 12, verse 4 through 7, it says this. It should be up on the screen. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. And so he's saying, listen, there's a lot of different gifts, and your gifts may look different than someone else's gifts, and someone else's gifts may look different than your gifts, but there is one spirit that empowers all these gifts and makes them happen. And then he says this at the very end. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. He says, you all have these different gifts, and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit, but it's given to you for the common good. He says, I've empowered you so that you can use it to serve others. You have these spiritual gifts, not only for yourself, but, but for other people too. And it's not even like, it's not even like the, the, the spiritual gifts are like available to us. Like it's this, this um, sort of generic dose of the Holy Ghost, right? Like I'm just going to reach out and grab my gift, hallelujah. No, I don't think it works that way. I, 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 think, I believe that God uses the different experiences I believe that God uses the different talents and abilities and perspectives, the different situations that you've had in your life, the different stories that your life is telling, and he takes all of that and puts his Holy Spirit empowerment behind it and uses that for the common good of the body of Christ. I believe that God uses your individual, unique perspective and gives you a unique, special, individual, spiritual gift that you are to use to edify the body of Christ. Each of us has something special and unique. And the reason that we have it, the intention behind it, is that we would use it to edify the body of Christ. And so he goes on and he talks in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. Um, it's in the same letter, same chapter, everything. In verses 12 through 27, he gives this analogy to paint this picture. I keep saying the body of Christ. This is where I get it from. This is this idea of the body of Christ. It's this idea of God uses this analogy to paint a picture that, hey, you are all part of something bigger than yourself. And you all have gifts and functions and you all have uses and it's all super important as a part of the whole. And so he uses the human body to paint that picture. Starting in verse 12, it should be on the screen. It says this, the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to, as part of the body, it, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And I know I always pause there. I just think that's so like sarcastic on his part, right? I, I love it. If the whole body were an eye, where would you hear from, right? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all, wait, if they, where did I go? Just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And now this part's cool, coming up. This next little section's cool because I think so often we try to disqualify ourselves before we even get to this. Before we even get to the idea that God wants to use us, we disqualify ourselves and say, no, man, my story, my story's not good. No, my past, it's messed up. No, I got baggage. Like, you don't know what baggage is until you've seen my baggage. Like, you don't know. And we try to instantly disqualify ourselves from being used by God to edify the body. But it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffer, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. He says, yo, those parts that you think are like not as good, those parts that you think are like messed up, those parts that you think you kind of need to hide and put over there in the shadows and whatever, he says, no, we need those parts the most. Those get special attention. If you're in here and you're not edifying the body of Christ because you don't think you're worthy, you don't think you're good enough, you think your story is messed up, you think that you failed, you think that there's brokenness, you think that there's all this junk that's holding you back from edifying the body of Christ, he's talking to everybody but me. No, listen, this is saying we need you the most. We need you the most. This is not a perfect body. It's a body. And we need all of the parts, even your part. If you're sitting here trying to talk yourself out of it, saying that you're not worthy, you're not good, don't. We need you the most. Because you need to leverage what God has done in, through, and around you and minister to others who are in the body. Because you bring a unique perspective. You bring a unique bend to things. You can communicate the love of God in ways that I cannot. And in ways that Quinn can't. And in ways that Andy can't. In ways that Don can't. You're unique, you're special, you have a voice, you are part of the body of Christ. And when you're withholding that stuff, it's like, that's why I love this, this body analogy. It's like, it's like me, like I got, I got this body, I got fingers and hands and eyes and ears and all this stuff. And so when you're withholding what God has done in you to edify, you know, the common good, to bring your spiritual gifts to the table, to, to edify the body, it would be like me going through life and all of a sudden my eyes saying, okay, I'm here to serve myself, not the body. I'm going to close. Boom. Does life go on? Yeah, I mean, yeah, life goes on. Can I still function as a body? Yes, I can. Does life get incredibly more difficult? Yes. Yes, it does. You know, 
And my eyes are saying, no, I'm just serving myself. I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing me. You do you. I'm not, I'm not offering my services to the rest of the body. I'm going to keep it to myself for whatever reason. But when my eyes are opened, my functionality is exponentially increased. Right? The ease in which I can go through life is exponentially increased. And so when we're holding our gifts and our talents and our abilities from the body of Christ, it's almost like you're saying, no, I'm going to close my eyes and y'all just do you and I'm going to do me and I'm going to figure it out and y'all just figure it out. It can be done. But how much better would it be with your eyes open? How much better would the body of Christ be with what you have to bring to the table? What you have to offer to edify the body of Christ? I say this all the time. Only you do what you do how you do it, right? I know it's a tongue twister, but I say it all the time. Only you do what you do how you do it. And if you're not doing it, we're all missing out on your greatness. That comes straight from this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're all missing out on your greatness if you're not bringing your greatness to the table. And you have greatness inside of you. You have greatness inside of you. And if you're not bringing it to the table, the entire body of Christ is missing out on it. Our church, our faith community is missing out on your greatness if you're not bringing it to the table. And who knows, we could have been walking around with our eyes closed this whole time until you bring what you got and it's like, and it could change everything. And so this morning, what I want to do, I have two questions for you. Two questions for you to sort of process, for you to sort of internalize and sort of do an inventory in your own heart. First question is this, what is your gifting and calling? What is it that God's called you to do? Who is it that God has called you to be? What does God want to do in, through, and around you? Who has God crafted and created you uniquely to be? What experiences in your life have shaped you? What has brought you to this point, to this moment? Don't look at it as mistakes. Look at it as something that has shaped who you are today, right? What do you bring to the table? How do you fit into the body of Christ. And listen, I don't want to hear excuses. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I don't know Jesus that well. Oh, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too this. I'm too whatever. No, listen, as long as you're on this planet, God has a purpose for you. As long as you're on this planet, you are part of the body of Christ and you have a function. And if you're not doing your function, we're all missing out on your greatness. Does that make sense? So no one is disqualified from this. No one is outside the parameters of this. What is your gifting and calling? That's the first question. The second question, how are you using it? How are you using it? What are you doing with it? How are you leveraging the pain and the failure and the brokenness that's in your past? How are you leveraging that to minister and help others who might be facing similar things? What are you doing with your calling? How are you using it? How are you shining your light? How are you sharing your love? How are you bringing what you got to the table? What is your contribution to the body of Christ? What are you doing about it? How are you using it? How are you sharing it with others? What do you have to bring and what are you doing with it? In Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, Jesus is talking. And it says this, Jesus called them together and he said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead... Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom 
for many. He says, you know the world outside, modern translation would say, you know the world outside there, outside, everybody else? They're all about them. They're all about power and authority and self-advancement and how can I be the best? How can I be the king? How can I be the greatest? How can this all play out? But he says, not so with you. You're the body of Christ. You look to serve rather than be served. You look to give rather than receive. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you be the servant of all, right? This is Jesus talking to his people. He's saying that that's the whole idea. And so the question is, what is your gifting and calling and how are you using it? What are you doing about it? So I want to challenge you in two ways. First way, I want to challenge you to join a serve team. That's how we exemplify this here at Central Church. This is how we live this out as a faith community. Join a serve team. There are a bunch of different serve teams that you can join. A bunch of different ideas. We have, we have kids uh, serve teams. I, I don't know if they're still doing veggie tales or not. Hopefully not. But uh, hopefully we've progressed some. But there, there's, there's kids church serve teams. There's, there's, you, there's a bunch of ways you can serve back there. With, you can help organize curriculum and snacks. You can help with check-in and check-out. You can teach a, a small group. You can teach a large group. You can help with the babies, the young kids, the older kids, whatever. But you can teach them in a way that I was taught that can radically shift the trajectory of their life. I believe that there is no greater rewarding place to serve than in kids church here at Central. At least that's, if I didn't have to be up here, I'd be back there. No questions. No questions. That is so rewarding. It's physically, tangibly rewarding. You see it week in and week out. You can join a serve team with kids, with the kids. There's a middle school serve team. We have middle school students right now back in the, in the youth lounge learning about Jesus in a way that they can understand, where they're not sitting here drawing all over our offering envelopes, right? But they're actually having conversations about God and life. That's awesome. If you can handle middle schoolers without pulling all your hair out and smacking yourself in the face to make sure you're still alive, you should... Join a serve team that serves them because that's tangible too. You can see life change take place right before your eyes. It's incredible. We have Catalyst serve teams, the youth group that meets Wednesday night, Sunday night, small groups all throughout the week. You can join there. We have the Connections serve team where you, you can do coffee and donuts. You can do the Welcome Center. You can do the greeters. You can do the ushers. You can do the parking team. I mean, we've got all kinds of different ways for you to plug in. If you're into like sound and media and tech, we would love to have you help with the slides and with the sound system and all that stuff. If you're into that sort of thing, we would love for you to join that serve team. That's a way for you to connect. You show up. It's not a lot of like, a huge commitment during the week and you just it's cool, it's fun, and you get to be like, hey, yeah, you get to be the CD changer guy, you know, like, hey, that's right, that's me, right? But there's a serve team there. You want to be part of the band, you want to be part of the creative stuff around here. We would love for you to join a serve team. First challenge, join a serve team. Second challenge, if you're looking at this going, eh, yeah, man, none of those are really for me, then start a serve team. There is no excuses here. Start a serve team. If you see something you think, man, this could be really cool. I think we should do this. I think it would really serve this demographic of people. I think this would be really edifying to the body of Christ, and I'm kind of gifted in this, and we should talk about it and whatever. Then start a serve team. We got the same mentality about community groups as we do serve teams. There should be a serve team for everybody because everybody's got something to bring to the table. Everybody's got something to bring to edify the body of Christ. And so on your chair when you came in, you should have had a card that said serve team sign up. On that card, if you want to just check one out, listen, if you check one out and hand it in today, that's not you giving like a blood oath that you're going to be there, and if you're not, you're going to hell, okay? That's not, that's not the deal here, okay? This is, hey, I might be a little interested in this. Let me know more about this one, and we will reach out to you, and we'll get you plugged in and all of that. You can grab them. You can drop them at the Welcome Center. You can drop them in any of the blue boxes around here, or you can take it home and pray about it for a week and bring it back next week. That's okay, too. 
But our goal is to have everybody plugged into a serve team because here's the deal. We want this body of Christ, we want the body of Christ, this faith community, to be walking around with its eyes open due to you bringing your greatness to the table. We want you to experience the fullness of God. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose. But we also want you to make a difference. We want you to leave your mark on this world. We want you to leave your mark on the lives of people. There were numerous people who left their mark on my life to create and shape me into who I am. And I'm sure you have a similar story. And you have the opportunity to be that for someone else. That's huge. That's such an awesome opportunity. That's such an awesome privilege. And so I would challenge and encourage you, join a serve team or start a serve team. Join a serve team or start a serve team. Because if you don't, you're only experiencing a sliver of what God wants to offer you, of how God wants you to, to live this life. You're only experiencing a sliver of what Central Church has to offer you. If you're just coming and consuming and leaving, you're missing a whole other aspect of this thing. Join a serve team, start a serve team, because you have greatness inside of you. And if you're not sharing it with us, we're all missing out. We're all missing out. Let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.